while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. We, correction, I had said um, Ken uh, Ken from Mattapoiset, and this makes more sense because he lives, he's, says he's from Mattapoiset, but Ken from Mattapoiset, when he said good luck on his re-election, was not talking about Bristol County District Attorney Tom Quinn. He was talking about uh, 10th Bristol District Representative Bill Strauss, who is got a primary two weeks from today against Rick Trapillo. Um so sure uh yeah I'm sure I'm sure Rip Strauss appreciates that. He's uh he's actually got the most active race. He's got the most active um I'll say election season out of everybody in the delegation. If you look at the delegation, uh by the way, five oh eight nine nine six oh five hundred is how you can get the program where um talking about the MBTA district and we're talking about South Coast Rail and some of the infrastructure problems uh, with Boston and how this can fix it and some of the things that do need to be fixed with the MBTA and we're taking your calls on that whenever you want to talk about but yeah Rep Strauss does have the most uh, active campaign season um, out of the out of um, he does have the most active campaign uh, uh, season out of the rest of the delegation He's got a primary against Rick Trapillo this uh, uh, two weeks from today. And then he's got a general election either by Dr. Um, Jeff Swift or by uh, Robert McConnell. So it looks like he's doing uh, quite all right, though. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the OCPF report. He's got says he's got eighty eight thousand cash on hand, has raised thirty four thousand this year, uh, as opposed to uh, his opponents. Richter Pillows raised eighteen thousand. I don't know how much of that is his own money. Um, Jeffrey Swift has raised three thousand. Robert McConnell eight hundred dollars. So uh, looks like he's doing all right. Oh, we'll see. I do see a lot of Trapillo signs. Uh, out there, at least in Fairhaven, when I'm driving around, and some amount of poison, but looks like Bill's doing okay. I think beating a longtime incumbent with that much money on hand is a pretty tall order, but uh, we'll see. That's that's definitely an interesting, uh, definitely an interesting race. Definitely got a lot of activity. Definitely got a lot of activity over there. So, um, yeah, he said good luck to Ken from Mattapoiset. Says good luck to Strauss's reelection, and uh, and if you're in Mattapoiset, like Ken. Or in Marion or Rochester or Middleborough or Lakeville, you know, or Plymouth and our listening audience or Wareham. 
then uh, we have next week the candidates for district attorney that are coming in. Tim Cruz, who's been the district attorney, a Republican district attorney for Plymouth County since 2001. He's going to join us on Monday. And Rashawn Hall, who is uh, from Brockton, he is an ACLU attorney and a reverend, actually. He's running uh, in the Democratic side against Mr. Cruz. He's going to be here on Tuesday. So you get to, if you live in Mattapoise or if you live in a Plymouth County town, which we have a significant amount of individual uh, people in this in this listening audience, callers and listeners and uh, app chat messengers, then you can hear your two candidates for DA. There is a ton of, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars going into that race. There's hundreds of thousands of dollars going into that race. So it's definitely something you should pay attention to, even if you live in Bristol County like I do. It's definitely a race you want to pay attention to because it's right, you know, it's right over here. It's right. Plymouth County is just about a mile down the road from this station, right? So, you know, who your DA is in the adjacent county, of course, matters as well um, because, you know, it's all one community. So. 508-996-0500. And Lindsay from Fairhaven said a great race should be Paul Schmid and Evan Gendro. Yeah, so Paul Schmid uh, is the state rep from Westport. He's from Westport. I think Evan Gendro's from Westport as well. But Paul Schmid's from Westport. His district includes Fall River, Freetown, now parts of Acushnet, and parts of Ward 1 in New Bedford, which is kind of a weird district, right? Uh, I think he's the only rep that has both Fall River and New Bedford in his district. He has like the very, I remember he had the very top of Ward 1, like the Sasaquin area. Um, but basically how it works is, you know, he's reps a part of Northern, I think it's he reps a part of Northern Fall River. And since that borders Freetown, he reps parts of Freetown. And since the parts of Freetown that he reps borders both a Cushnet and New Bedford, he can, you know, it, it it kind of goes into that district as well, right? That's how it works because the, the 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 district has to connect somehow. So it's very um, and Westport obviously borders Fall River, so that's how it that's how it works. It must be like a horseshoe. If I'm like trying to like look at it. I'm trying to like visualize the district. It must be the kind of like a horseshoe, kind of like wraps around. But. Um, yeah, so uh, so last time when Evan Gendro ran against uh, when Evan Gendro ran against um, Rep Schmid last time during the pandemic 2020, that was a 57 percent, 43 percent race, which ain't which isn't bad actually. Um, Schmid has a lot of money uh, behind him, I would say, uh, but Rep Gendro, I've seen signs. I've seen signs in the di- in, in the district. I've seen signs in Akushnet. I've seen signs. Uh, in maybe I don't go, I don't leave for even a cushion maybe very often. Maybe I've only seen, no, I think I've seen signs in Westport too. Can't remember. I've seen signs though. I've seen signs. I've seen him out in the community. So, um, I think that's, that's definitely an interesting race for sure. Um, that's, uh, you know, Evan's a young kid. Uh, Schmidt's been there for a while. I think since the early 2000s. It's got a lot of money uh, behind him. I think got a lot of personal wealth too. Um, so that's a lot to overcome. But if you can raise some money, you make some noise, 
you know, I think it's, you know, and, and I think that's a good district, too, uh, to run as a Republican. That's probably a, a better district out of the, out of uh, most of the districts. I think that's a better district than the, um, than the others. The only person that doesn't have an opponent in the New Bedford delegation is, well, you got Chris, Chris Hendricks in, uh, Chris Hendricks in uh, New Bedford. His his actually his seat used to be uh, North End and New Bedford and Akushnet. You know when he won when he beat Bob Kazera in the primary. His seat was North End and New Bedford and Akushnet. And I know I remember him saying he was here on the program. He said he wanted to keep Akushnet in his district. You know obviously every ten years you got to redistrict. That's why you know Rep Schmidt has part of Akushnet. That's why Rep Strauss now has part of Akushnet in his district. Um, but. Every ten years, you've got to keep you've got to you've got to redistrict, and that redistrict thing usually reflects like population changes. You have to have X amount of people that are repping in your district, and obviously, you know, with the Democrats and the the I'm saying this as a Democrat, Democrats are going to draw the districts in a way that's much more favorable to them because gerrymandering's a thing, right? And it shouldn't be a would be fine with doing away with gerrymandering completely uh, and having you know. Um, having totally more like neutral districts that make more sense, right? Instead of some that like horseshoe around, uh, you know, that just sort of snake around and all of that. I would rather have districts that make sense. Not to, not to say I don't, you know, I think a lot of our delegations doing a good job, but uh, Hendricks, uh, Hendricks used to have a Kushnip. And then he told, he told the chair, uh, I think it was Mike Moran, the chair of the redistricting committee that he wanted uh, to keep a Kushnip, but what they wanted to do and what people were lobbying for, we had people uh, from Drawing Democracy uh, on, and Dex Crocker was big involved in that, uh, from Drawing Democracy. He came on my show a couple times to talk about it. We talked about um, they wanted to have a majority, um, a majority minority district, basically, a majority, a district that was majority uh, communities of color in New Bedford, because there was only one rep out of all of them that just represented New Bedford, and that was. Tony Cabral's Tony Cabral, obviously, and Tony Cabral's running unopposed. But Chris Hendricks, um, you know, his district changed substantially. He lost the Kushnet, and he ended up uh, running. He ended up uh, running um, uh, unopposed. So, I guess the people in district are happy with uh, their representation. Why shouldn't they? Chris is. Chris is a really good guy. 508-996-0500 is how you can get um, on the program tonight. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's there's there's again there's a lot of activity. And then of course you got Chris Markey and Cameron Costa. Uh, that's I think a, uh, something to watch too. Cameron Costa, uh, pretty young. I looked at his. I was just. It said on some candidate profile that he was. It said on some candidate profile that he was. Um, that I saw that he was born in 2001, which, oh my God, so young. 2001, I was 12 years old. But uh, I thought he actually, you know, he, he's got definitely a, a good speaker. I know Tim used to have him on before. Tim used to have him on uh, his show. Uh, on He had him on his show, and then he had him on, I think he went on with Brian when Brian was filling in for Chris's show back in... 
back last year, right? Um, but, uh, you know, Chris Markey's obviously been the rep there in Dartmouth for a long time. Uh, you know, the Markey's are very well known in local politics. So that's a very, uh, that's an interesting race. We're going to have both candidates on. Um, you know, I guess the, 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 you know, a couple of the issues are, you know, are people, I, I, it's, are people in Dartmouth going to elect somebody in New Bedford? That's what I'd like to know. Um, I think not. I think they're inclined not to, but but could be wrong. But we're gonna. I'm looking forward to having Cameron Costa. And I, 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 I uh, we're talking to him uh, next Friday, not this coming Friday, but next Friday, uh, and hear him hearing him talk about his campaign. Um, you know, he's certainly gotten some endorsements from a lot of uh, unions and all that. So very active, even as young age. When I was his age, I definitely wasn't doing the things he was doing. I was, uh, well, I was in college, right? And then I went to law school, so I was busy. But, um, the, you know, Chris Mark, he's been there a long time, obviously. He was an ADA. He was, um, you know, he's an ADA. His dad was the mayor of New Bedford. Uh, you know, his brothers were really well, his family's really well known in local politics. So uh, that's an interesting race, and we're going to have both candidates on uh, talk to talk to you uh, about their campaigns. Um, I don't know Cameron Costa uh, personally. Um, I know Chris Markey personally. I, I like Chris Markey. He's a good guy. Um, and we'll we'll talk. You know, we'll talk to them about their campaigns. Again, Chris Markey's going to come in the day before primary day. Actually, on primary day, we're going to have... Uh, on primary day, we're going to be in studio, Chris and I. We're going to have elections coverage... Um, which is great. It's something that I, I did it once. I did election uh, an elections coverage once uh, during my time here, and it was the 2020 election, and it was a lot of fun. And so now I get to do it all the time. That's I'm really excited about that, getting to do elections coverage all the time because everybody thinks of elections as just happening every two years or every four years, right? Because some people only go out and vote for the president and some people only go out and vote for or some people just go out and vote for president in the midterms. But really, elections happen when you follow the local stuff and you should be following the local stuff because it's the most important. When you follow the local stuff, elections happen all of the time. They happen all the time. They're ubiquitous. Elections are a constant. They're a constant because, you know, this year is a midterm year. So and and it's also the midterm year. Every, uh, every midterm year is a year for um, the statewide elections right so every midterm year is a year for the statewide elections so obviously you know people are paying attention to the governor's race with more healy and and uh you know with more healy and and deal and doty and um you know all the statewide races that we've been talking about attorney general auditor and all of that and we've had those candidates on the show and lieutenant governor you know we're having a couple of lieutenant governor candidates on the show uh tomorrow uh, tomorrow and and thursday and so people are paying attention to that and they're paying attention to local races now. You know, Bill Schmidt, uh, uh, said Bill Schmidt, Bill Strauss, Paul Schmidt, Chris Markey running, uh, you know, running for reelection. Um, and people are paying attention to the county races that we've been talking about, obviously. You know, Tom, uh, Tom Hodgson running for reelection, the Democratic primary, which has gotten, you know, kind of spicy in the last few days. Uh, the Bristol County DA's race, which has gotten, uh, it's, um, it is what it is. Uh, you know, there was a weird development last night that we talked about and, um, you know, that'll, 
that'll be over in a couple weeks. But people are paying attention to that. But what you don't, re- but what people oftentimes don't realize is elections happen all the time. So even in an odd year, every year, first of all, every year is a town election. So Fairhaven, Dartmouth, Freetown, you know, Mattapoisett, Marion, etc. Every year there's a town election, and so we can do coverage of those of the town elections that happen. And, you know, you think about, like, the Defend Dartmouth stuff, right, that we can talk about, the Defend Dartmouth stuff that happened, and there'll probably be a lot more going on with that and those elections. I think now now that the Defend Dartmouth thing has happened, is going to get a lot more attention. The Fairhaven elections have been really interesting, obviously, in the last few years with the recall and the change of the, the, change of the, uh, the select board from three to five. So municipal elections happen every year. And then we're going to have the city elections next year. Right? The city elections are going to be next year. You're going to have Mayor Mitchell, who may or may not run, and we can speculate about his future. Mayor Mitchell may not, may or may not run. There's going to be the city councilors that are going to be on the ballot. Maybe a city councilor is there that wasn't, you know, maybe a city councilor decides to, you know, run, uh, not run for re-election, or maybe one gets upset like, uh, like Joe Lopes did last time, or, uh, you know, maybe there's an open at-large seat like there was last time. You never know. Or maybe, the, you know, Mayor Mitchell gets a challenger, if he does decide to run again, or maybe he says, okay, I've been here, you know, I'm going to go, you know, there's a lot, there's just a lot to talk about. There's always elections. And that's one of the cool things I liked about this slot is that we get to cover those elections. So September 6th, Chris and I are going to be here in studio with you guys covering the local elections, getting live results, talking to the candidates, having them call in after uh, they've either won or lost. I don't know if they're going to be inclined to call in after they lost, but we're going to ask them to anyway, right? Uh, calling in after they won or lost. That's all the stuff that we have going on. It's it's really exciting. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Yes, how are you doing, Marcus? Good. What's up? I haven't, I haven't spoken to you for a while. I've been a busy person as of late. Haven't getting we all? Myself, getting myself back to where I was before I caught Colvick. Uh, Good. And I'm happy to say I'm doing a little bit better. That's good. Yeah. And I'm liking what I'm hearing from you as far as the South Coast Rail, because I've been watching the progress on it. And if you go to South South Coast Rail and punch that into your computer, you can see all the uh, improvements what they have done and it's amazing the work that they've done and they work day and night yeah and i want to tell you i'm all for it and i'm glad i'm going to have the opportunity to to cast my vote yes on commuter rail and no for the license question yeah as well well I think. Uh, what do you mean? No, no to repeal. No. What is? It, what do you mean by no to the license question? In other words, no to the illegals to get it. Okay. Okay. If you vote yes, they will get it. If you vote no, they will. Is not that how it is? It. I thought it was a vote to repeal. No, no. Yeah, it was vote to repeal. Yeah. So, so is it a vote to repeal the law? So is yeah, it is I'm, it a no vote? So is it you vote no to not repeal it, and you vote yes to repeal it? What's the question that's on the ballot? Question is, for illegals to have 
to be issued a license? And the answer is no. It's probably... I'm, a, I'm, I'm against it. It's, I'm, a, I'm a licensed operator, and I know the rules of the road like the back of my hand. And these guys are coming over to this country, and they want everything handed to them. Well, no. no. Well, no. Well, well, no. Um, you know, you know the rules of the road because you're a licensed operator. But that's the that's what the law is going to be: is that people who are here, regardless of their immigration status, are going to be able to learn the rules of the road, be trained, and get their license after they pass the driving exam, like you and me did. Yeah, but uh, can I can I make a point? Sure. Okay. Recently, I renewed my license. Mm-hmm. But I went through, or just when I went through hell and back, I had to get what they call a real birth certificate with my mother and father's name, full name, on the same birth certificate with me. $29, no, 15 for that, $29 for my uh, excise tax in order for me to get my license renewed. But... I have to prove who I am, mm-hmm. and I'm an American citizen. Yeah. Okay, but- I had have, I have the proper paperwork, plus my Social Security card. Yeah. But, you but, know what I'm saying? You no, know, I get it, but that's probably for a real ID, um, which is a federally recognized ID, which, um, you know, that works, like, not just in Massachusetts for a driver's license. It works, like, in the TSA and it works for you know federal identification as well. Um, this won't yeah. they won't be uh, uh, the people who don't have a documented status won't be eligible for the real ID, and so they will have to provide some proof of who they are uh, in order to get the license. Well, as far as the illegals go, no. Okay. I don't want I don't want them with the license. Okay. Because I want I want to close with this. I was in front of Mihong Restaurant in the South End on Cole Street, and I witnessed a person, which appeared to be a Guatemalan, didn't climb out, didn't go out the door. Instead, he climbed out of the window and ran away from a, a scene of an accident. Now, how do you know that? So, so first of all. How do you know he's a Guatemalan? How do you know of his immigration status, right? How do you know he left the... I trust... I've been a criminal defense attorney. There's plenty of non... Uh, there's prob- plenty of American citizens that leave the scene of an accident. That's a very common thing to happen. I don't think you're, I think, well, I think you're making I assumptions. I, I figured I'd run that by you. Okay. Because uh, if the person was an American... I don't think he would run away from my I, auto, uh, I don't necessarily auto. agree with that. There could be plenty of reasons why people would try to leave the scene of an accident. and happens all the time. That's an actual crime that's on the books, and it's not just because undocumented immigrants leave the scene of an accident. And if that person, if let's say that person was an undocumented immigrant, and let's say they were trained and licensed, then maybe they would know the rules of the road better and not get into that accident. Yeah, because he hit a parked car and, and and left the scene. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. We got another call on the line. We're gonna going to take it. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Actually, it's good evening, Marcus. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. 
No, uh, you talk about these primaries and these voting. These people have to understand that politics stops at the local level. Yes. If they want to make a change to anything, they're going to change their city first before they even stop going to the general election because that is so much more important is where you live. If you want to change your city councils, your mayor, if you're not happy with the city that you're living with, then you're going to start at the local level, when you, especially when you're voting. And it is very important, these primaries, because the people that we put in office is the people that are going to represent what our values are. And yeah. I think most people don't think about that, is that it all starts at the local level, you know? Yeah. You need a, you need a pothole that's filled on your street. You're going to call you... You got to call your city councilor or your local, um, you know, public works commissioner. You know. Yeah, Look. and you know, these streets are, right now. I, I see a lot. Of, I drive around a lot, and I see a lot of construction going on with the, with the pavements and stuff like that. Because eventually, there is some type of surplus in the city. I think, and that's they need to do is they need to fix it. A lot of a lot of these roads are really really bad. You know. Yeah. And and they need to take care of it. But you know, my thing about the immigration. What do you? What's your thoughts on Mari Healy? She's she's stonewalling, and I, um, she's all uh, she's for this uh, license thing, and she thinks it's a racist thing that we're asking people for their driver's license to vote and stuff like that. I think that's not a racist thing. I think that's the, the American way to do things because you have to show license for a lot of stuff that we have to do in life, and one of the most important things is voting for for people in office. And I think you do have to show. Yeah, the, the thing right. the thing is, it's 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 a solution. I think which you know the thing is, it's it's a it's a solution in search of a problem because voter fraud is something that statistically almost virtually never happens, and when it does, it's usually um, it's usually weeded out. Um, the fact that uh, communities that don't necessarily have that don't have an ID are always communities uh, that are um, usually communities of color or even uh, elderly people as well that don't necessarily have a valid driver's license or identification. It's a non-zero amount of people. I think nationwide, it's tens of millions of people that don't have their that don't have a driver's license, and it's never you know. I think Massachusetts, what they were trying to propose is one that's softer. They say you can bring a utility bill or something like that. But again, if there were if there were an issue of like widespread voter fraud in Massachusetts, then I'd say, OK, let's 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 have like a soft ID law. Right. Um, let's make licenses easier to get for people or let's make or let's make the very, very low identification standards for someone to go and vote, but it's not an issue that really that really happens here. So and you can you can find in other states that um, you know, in southern states that when they implement voter ID laws, they often move registries of motor vehicles out of neighborhoods that um are uh, are black and brown and, and, and move them away from those neighborhoods so they can't get those IDs. So you can say like, yeah, it makes sense, but it's a solution in search of a problem and what you're doing is you're foreclosing people from from the right to vote. And, and if someone has a valid, you know, some that like some valid reason to be concerned that people are going in to vote, uh, that aren't who they say they are, then that's fine. But even going in and voting, like voting as somebody else, like going to a booth and voting as somebody else, isn't like in a really effective way to cheat. Cause you're take you know, what are you going, what are you going to do? Have that person go to one polling place, then go to another polling place, then go to another polling place. It doesn't actually make a lot of sense. Yeah, but when you go to a polling place, you just say, okay, where are you, 
I mean, a lot of times they're not even checking. You just say, like, I, when I go forward, like, okay, yeah. uh, what's your address and stuff like that or whatever it is. And just, and um, if they're not checking my ID, I can give my, I can give them a different name and say I live on ABC Street and nobody's going to check. Yeah, if you have the right name and address. So if you say right. I live on Main Street and my name is, you know, whatever, my name is such and such. If you have the exact address and name of that person, yeah, you could do it. But again, why would you do it? People don't ever do it. Why, why would you? Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways around it, I guess. And this is where I'm getting that to is, I think, what it is. But it should be like if you can, you know, you have to show your license to drink or whatever because you have to be 21. I think there's a lot of other stuff that we have to show our license for and everything else. So I think. Well, you have to show your license to if you want to go drink at a bar or buy alcohol. You don't necessarily have to show your license to drink in general and if you're like drinking and like being able to vote for who your state representative is or who your city councilor is or who your governor is i think are two entirely different things if you're foreclosed from one that's not a big deal if you're you know you can you know find some other way to drink if you're foreclosed from another you're disenfranchised and you're unable to vote so i think those are two different things yeah you're right there is two different things but the thing is i think this license thing is uh has a good put to bed somehow and we have to figure out a way to to make everything fair for everybody to vote and stuff like that so it becomes an issue and it's been talked about for so long too so but nobody has the right answer you know what i'm saying yeah no i know that's why uh you know that's why we have this program i, I appreciate the call man thank you i gotta right, take this break thank you, you. uh 508-996-0500 and take a break we'll be right back Download the W. Come back to the show i'm marcus chris will be back tomorrow 508-996-0500 so i can get in the program I'm not entirely sure what the uh, exactly the ballot question says. Um, I think the entire effort uh, is stupid and grounded in emotional arguments and not practical arguments. Like, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, they... It's easy to say, oh, well, you know, they get to just get a license and all of this. And, oh, uh, you know, they're they're going to be able to vote, which is complete BS. We've had non-voting citizens in the Commonwealth have been able to get licenses for about 30 years because green card holders can get driver's licenses in Massachusetts. Right. And so has there been any reporting of widespread voter fraud in Massachusetts? I'd like to hear it if anybody has it. And if there is, is it because of these is it because of these driver's licenses? No. Of course not. Ridiculous. Not only that, this we have like I think two hundred thousand some odd um undocumented residents uh here in the Commonwealth. They're here, they are driving, they are working, right? They have jobs. They are an, actually an integral part of our economy, right? You think about, you know, like farmers in the Berkshires, a lot of the agricultural industry nationally, not just in the Commonwealth, nationally relies heavily on migrant labor because uh, a lot of Americans won't do the jobs. Studies have shown that, um, you know, uh, migrant workers aren't uh, often aren't direct competitors with um, American born workers, 
right? They often don't take the same jobs because Americans don't want the jobs that migrant workers oftentimes do take. And so if they're here, they're an integral part of our economy, they're among us, they're members of our community, and they're on the road because they have to get to work, I think practically this this law works to solve a problem. There are people on the road with licenses out of necessity that are unable to get a, a license and they have to drive. So let's, and they don't have insurance because they don't have a license and they don't have training because they can't apply for a license. So they're not trained on the rules of the road. So let's pass a law that allows people, regardless of their residential status or their immigration status to apply for a driver's license and get a driver's license, right? So that they can be trained. They can take driving school like we did. They can take the driving test like we did and they can get insurance like we do. So that when you get into an accident, maybe someone isn't fleeing from the scene of an accident. Maybe there's less fleeing from a scene of an accident. Studies have shown every state that's passed this. There's been like 16 other states in uh, Puerto Rico and D.C. So I think like 18 total, you know, let's say territories in Massachusetts that have um, that have passed this law. And what you've seen is fewer accidents, more in, uh, you know, uh, higher insured rate. And none of the fear-driven consequences that you're hearing from this fair and secure Massachusetts, um, these fair and secure Massachusetts people. So, you know, again, they were able to make an, I think that, I think the margin was too, I think the bar was too low. Or I think the bar was too low for the signature. I think the bar is too low for the signature requirement, and we'll see. Bill Galvin, the the signatures are due actually tomorrow. They're due tomorrow. The signatures for the um, repeal of the law, which again is a purely emotional uh, argument that doesn't solve a problem. Um, but we'll see if they have enough signatures. Galvin said it'll take. Less, he said they don't have all the signatures yet. It'll take not less than a week or not more than a week to verify them. So we'll know probably a week from Wednesday whether or not the whether or not the this they had enough signatures. What's kind of interesting is, you know, Galvin's in a in a Democratic primary uh, against Tanisha Sullivan. One of the arguments made against him by Tanisha Sullivan is that. He isn't doing enough to to help um, communities of color. So I'd wonder if he's going to be really looking at the signatures and seeing, you know, his office is going to really be examining these to see if they're valid signatures um, that will, you know, that are valid enough to or valid signatures that can get this repeal effort on the ballot. And then, of course, if it gets on the ballot, there's going to be some legal challenges to the SJC. 
And those legal challenges a lot of times have been successful. It's difficult to get uh, things on the ballot. Sometimes there's just specific rules you have to follow. Um, I mean, the people who wrote this ballot initiative know those rules usually, but there is going to be a repeal effort, not a repeal effort, a legal challenge by, you know, certain interest groups or immigrant advocacy groups against this repeal effort. And it's going to go to the SJC and it's got to do it relatively quickly. They've got to make a ruling on it. So just because it gets on the bat, just because they get the signatures doesn't mean that they just because they get the signatures doesn't mean that it gets on the ballot. And again, I, I'm interested in hearing a practical argument against the law. I haven't heard one yet. Just emotional ones. 508-996-0500. New Bedford's News Talk Station. Hey, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. Um, just a couple of national races that I thought you might want to know about uh, elsewhere, because we're talking about some elections. Jerry Nadler looks like he beat Carolyn Maloney. They were both longtime uh, incumbents, like 30-year incumbents. Uh, New York had lost a couple of congressional seats, one or two congressional seats, after redistricting and uh, basically an independent redistricting body uh, after some decisions and court cases had drawn them into the same district. And I guess they had refused to consider another district for whatever reason. And Jerry Nadler won. Yeah, Jerry Nadler, uh, Jerry Nadler, who has been there for quite a little, quite a little while. He got the backing of uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. You know, in Brooklyn, he's the head of the he's the chair of the House Judiciary Committee. Um, Carol Maloney almost lost her reelection bid last time. Actually, there was like a progressive wave that had come through New York. Um, you know, obviously AOC won her. You know, won her seat, and then a couple of years later, it was Jamal Bowman and Mondair Jones had won their seats too, um, beaten uh, longtime incumbents. Jamal Bowman had beaten Elliot Engel. I think he's going to survive his primary. He's got a primary by somebody backed by Elliot Engel. Um, and in Florida, uh, Charlie Crist, who was the Republican governor of Florida in like 06, I think after Jeb Bush left. Yeah, I think it was after Jeb Bush left in like 06. He was a Republican governor of Florida. He um, then ran against Rick Scott as a Democrat in 2014 and lost, uh, is now going to face Ron DeSantis. So uh, Democrat Charlie Crist. Um, I don't think DeSantis is, I think DeSantis is probably going to win re-election. I mean, he barely won his election in 2014, I mean 2018, to uh, Gilliam, and God, how the you know how the mighty have fallen with Gilliam, but uh, he barely won his election, like forty-seven. It's like forty. It was it was really like forty-nine point seven percent to forty-nine point three percent that year. I think actually Democrats were projected to win. They keep their Senate and House seats. Bill what was his name Bill Nelson had actually lost to Rick Scott in the Senate race, and then DeSantis had beaten Gilliam in the governor's race. Uh, Marco Rubio is going to be facing, um, what's her name, Val Demings. 
Val Demings is a congresswoman from, from Orlando. She's in, uh, used to be the chief of police in Orlando and largely considered uh, was was one of the on the short list for Biden's VP uh, for Biden's um, uh, VP pick, actually. But that's some uh, uh, updates on races going on elsewhere. I got to take this break and then we're pretty much done with the show. So uh, I will see you guys tomorrow with Chris and we got a good show. And uh, thank you. 1420 WBS.